Hola, and welcome to the Beauteous Me podcast, a relatable and authentic space for all. Every week we hop on a roller coaster, share laughter and tears on topics we might be ashamed to discuss. We do this all while finding its inner beauty. My name is Jamelly Whitfield, and the journey begins now. We are here for an amazing episode, and I'm so glad you're still listening to Beauty is Me. I have an awesome guest here who is going to share her story and her journey. I actually thank you so much for sending me um, the journal workbook, which we'll talk about, guys, which is so super important. Um, and I had to put it down. I felt like it was in a Yala Van Zant moment, so... <laughs> So thank you for being here, Pastor Pitts. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Glad to be here. I am so excited to have you here as well. So Reverend Alicia Pitts, fondly known as Pastor Pitts, is the founder of Pauline Ministries. She is a Christian speaker, mentor, author, singer, and musician. Child, you just got all backgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> After being rejected by people and never fitting in, she turned to God and spirituality. Whenever Alicia felt misunderstood, the Lord spoke to her. It is not meant for people to understand you. Know that I understand you and have chosen you. That, that's deep right there. We're going to have to yeah. definitely talk about that. Alicia is an experienced lecturer and has extensive training in biblical counseling, which makes her effective in reaching out to others. Reverend Pitts currently serves the Melville Police Department as the first Afro-American female police chaplain. Woo-woo! <laughs> That's right. She is Melanin Magic, Melanin Magic. We got to put that in there. She is also the lead chaplain of Mill, Millville Memorial High School and most recently staff chaplain, volunteer at New Jersey's Department of Corrections. All right. She has appeared as a guest on the Corey Lowe Show, Between the Lines, Empowering Network, Flashpoint with Cherry Gregg, um, Forgiveness Across the Nation, Be Live TV, and many others. In addition to hosting her own podcast, did you hear that, guy? She got her own podcast, so tune in. It's AP Live, Live Inspired. So Pastor Pitts, in, other, in words of Pastor Pitts, as you've indicated, I live a life of servitude and leading by example is my most effective means of leading others. Pastor Pitts, take it away. Please introduce, like, just let people know who you are. Like, just even introducing you, I'm like, okay. <laughs> we ready for today. Well, simply put, woman of many hats, much responsibility. Oh, yes. Much responsibility. Absolutely. So, yeah, so everything uh, that you've read is God-inspired. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how yeah. it's God inspired and how God has inspired you in this mission. And in looking at the mission, um, serving um, kids in the correction system, juvenile delinquents. And I think that's so important because you and I were able to have a separate conversation about this. But the audience listeners don't know about the work that you do with kids who are um, adjudicated or um, close to being adjudicated. Yes. Well, it's a program that actually stems from the police department, and they call it SHA, which is called Station House Adjustment. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is if a juvenile gets charged or an officer catches them doing something against the law, 
then we opt them for this program. It is a volunteer program, so we don't make them do it. They have to want to do it, and the parents have to sign off on it. Mm. And so what happens is basically we take them through a process that's similar to community service. They fulfill that requirement, and they won't get charged. They, they won't get anything charged on their juvenile records. Now, this is a one-and-done deal, so if they get in trouble again, they won't be able to pass through this program. But through this program, I normally take them to a success family success center, which is located right here in Millville, Holly City Family Success Center, because they have a lot of resources, not only for the children, but for the parents as well. Right. And so the whole family can be served if they take advantage of the programs that are available at that program. So a lot of times what happens is um, it's myself and one of the family uh, success centers um, mediator is there, and we actually talk to the juvenile, we actually talk to the parent, and what we normally do is, number one, we want to find out what happened, why it happened, and if they learn anything from it. And we also have a conversation with them as far as whatever their goals may be, you know, may be in life as well. That, so thank you for sharing that with your listeners. And I think that's a good segue into what inspired you to kind of do this work because um, you do a lot in ministry, um, but you also yes. do outside a lot outside of ministry. Yes, yes. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to stop and get disturbed with people chiming in and stuff. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> To me, number one, and I say this like a broken record, you have a lot of people trying to be heroes to other people when they themselves need to be saved. Mm. And, <laughs> and so I always tell, you know, it's, we have to work on ourselves first. Absolutely. Then we can impact our community. And so a lot of times what you have, you have broken people, people that are not healed, working in different capacities when they themselves really need to work on them to make themselves whole, and then you can go out and impact someone else's life. And, and so I'm a firm believer in that. And you may not be able to change things on a grand scale, but you can change things where you live at, where you work, where you socialize at. Those are the things that you can, you may, you may not be called to the nations, in other words. Mm -hmm. So you just need to, first and foremost, focus on your locality and try to change it that way. So can you tell us more about um, your background and what stimulated this to, to get into work at your congregation, work um, in the community? Well, as I tell people, I was practically near born at the altar. <laughs> <laughs> Practically near, born at the altar. I am a fourth-generation preacher, so I have pastors, I have preachers, I have musicians and singers in my family. So I guess you could say it is inherited. <laughs> and as a young child, I was always different. My mom could tell you. I would be in the room. I would sing songs unto God until I fell asleep. 
at the age of between 12 and 14 years old. I can remember being in my room preaching to my stuffed animals. Oh. Like, I was, <laughs> like I was John the Baptist in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, my cousins at that time, because we were all like living in the same area. And I would be upstairs preaching so loud that they could hear me outside. <laughs> you get getting your message across. Yeah, get my message across. But this this is how it initially started. Like I would be on punishment and then I would be in there preaching or whatever. But there came a point in time that I was in there preaching and I wasn't on punishment. But my but my cousins used to be like, Oh, Alicia must be on punishment again. She you know <laughs> They, they associated yeah. that with the punishment, but you were like, no, I'm yeah. not punished, I'm just preaching. Yeah, yeah, but it came a point in time that I, I wasn't on punishment, and I was just doing it, you know, and then we would play church and just different things of that nature. So, uh, uh, again, I definitely know and believe that I, I was called to do this thing. There's a scripture in uh, the Bible, uh, John 18:37, and Jesus quotes and it simply says, I was born for this cause to bear witness to the truth. So I was, I was born to do this, no doubt about it. So, so in speaking that you were born to do this, um, thank you for sending me your workbook journal. Is that what you would describe it? It's like a, it's a, it's your book, but it's also a workbook journal, right? Yes. yes. So, um, so I had an opportunity to go through it, which which guys, you should really get it, and Pastor Pitts will let you know where you can find it and, and purchase it, because um, it's it's literally like a journal. It's, it's a it's a nice size, and um, it walks you through your journey, Pastor Pitts, of what you've experienced and people doing you wrong, and how you've yeah. been able to kind of forgive and go through. And you even talked about how um, you were tested in your faith, because he was like Jesus. I don't want to do this, Jesus. I don't want to be her friend. <laughs> and you were just forced that it was like drilled into you, like you need to stay in faith, remain in faith. So can you can you share with our listeners about this workbook journal journey, journal and journey? Yeah, it's it's both. It's a journal journey. Um that and, and your story behind it. Mm-hmm. I had stopped writing for many years. That's not my first book. This is my third book. And the I was an adjunct professor of a leadership institute, and the chancellor of the school said, you always talk about forgiveness. Why not write about it? And so that's how the book came into play, and I believe God had used her as the conduit to get me back to writing again because I had stopped writing. I've been writing since I was like 14 years old, but around that time, between 12 and 14, a lot of things that I wrote were poems, sermons, and uh, songs. And so that's how the book came into play. And my journey with this, and this is what I always tell people, there are some people, their character, the way God has made them, they are able to easily forgive. Whereas if you have someone that they are easily to get angry, they are the ones that usually are the ones 
confidence to let things go because they're kind of wearing their emotions on their sleeve. Right. And so with this book, the process that God gave me was that in writing, you are able to really internalize things when you write. A lot of times people may not be as vocal as they may not be able to really vocalize, but they can definitely express themselves the way they want to express themselves through writing. And so with these self-reflection exercises and critical thinking exercises, it helps you to go inward, to look at, the Michael Jackson says, the man in the mirror, looking yeah. at yourself, truly looking at yourself. And a lot of times we don't really want to look at ourselves. And I always say this, a person can be wrong as two left shoes. And a lot of times we want to shine the light on them for all their wrongdoing, but then we still need to look inward and say, what is it that I could have done to make the situation better? Because there are times when situations have happened that we may have played a part in that as well, and it's just not always that other individual 100% at fault. And, and, is, at and isn't that hard, though, um, for, for some people to admit that they're wrong and yes. to admit that... Um, I had a role to play in because it's easier to be wronged than to admit you are wrong. Because yeah, it's easy to fall into, they did this to me and she did this and, you know, that was wrong with her and that was wrong with her. But when you have to turn the mirror inward and look at the yeah. man in the mirror, like you said, that's, yeah. that's, that's harder because you got to dig deep yeah. into the core. And we don't want to yeah. look at our, our ugly side. We don't want to look at that. And it's, so it's easier to project and place blame. Yeah, and, and a lot of it has to do with pride. You know, putting your oh, pride ooh. aside. Yeah. <laughs> you know, putting your, that, that entitlement, mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's almost like a self-entitlement aside and really evaluate the situation. And, that, and to me, that's also a part of maturity as well. Just really, really looking at the situation. Because at the end of the day, you really can't do what I call blanket forgiveness. Mm-hmm. When certain things have happened to you and you have been offended in certain ways, you have to be really specific in your journey because forgiveness is a process. This is not something that ha- normally happens overnight. It is a process that you're going to have to go through. And with that being said, you just can't blanket it. You're going to have to be specific in regards to offenders, in regards to the scenery, and that's why you have the journey, because you're actually going to be writing those things out, so you can really process what's going on, and then be able to um, contend with it at that time, because think about it, before you can even solve a problem, you got to acknowledge that you got one. Absolutely. So, would you say that um, in the journey, in order to journey through forgiveness, journaling is an important concept that's needed? Yeah, I believe it's an important concept. I believe it is. Because, again, even with the the journal, there's some repetition going on. Because, again, it's to help you to internalize mm-hmm. what forgiveness is and what it is not. And it's funny because you're not the first person that said, oh, and I joked with you when we first talked. You you said that, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go through it. And then I looked at it, and I was like, ooh, not ready. 
Ready? <laughs> and, and that's one thing that I do know. Um, when I go in these bookstores and I just do different things, what I do know is that people are not going to pick up that book unless they're really ready to let it go. Right. And I and I'm telling you, I thought I was like, no, I did my forgiveness journey. I for, I forgave you know the people who um, I felt wronged me or traumatized me, and. Just in looking at some of the you, the different stories that you shared, um, and if you don't mind kind of sharing a little bit of it so that you don't they don't get the whole sneak peek because they need to go buy that journal. But <laughs> um, in sharing some of it made me realize, like, you know, sometimes I, I've probably been wrong in certain situations. And um, I think when you're married, that's harder to, to kind of admit when you're wrong because as wives, we always want to be right, right? Um, as a parent... It's also hard to admit that you've been wrong um, towards your child. And, you know, culturally where it's just like, I said what I said and so what? And so um, where I felt that I had to put it down, I think it's um, more related to like new things that have surfaced up for me in, in past traumas. And where I thought that I, I kind of even forgot about that trauma. But when you're doing work and, you know, you're working on your own, on yourself and, um, working on your spirituality and everything, things start creeping up on you. Like, oh, you thought you thought that was relieved. Here you go. You thought you addressed that. I'm gonna throw a little sprinkle of that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so to kind of really um make you grow through it, because if you prayed to to go through these things and to uh, you've prayed so that God can heal you from these things. How about I say that that God heal you from these things? Then He's gonna bring the the sprinkles and say, you did you? I, I'm gonna test right. you. Here you go. <laughs> yes. And that's and that's why again you can't do blanket forgiveness. It mm -hmm. has to be specific. Because if, if you don't make it specific and address certain things, then what ends up happening as you're going through there's certain things that may trigger. Mm -hmm. You know, and you and you may be wondering, okay, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Because you really haven't specifically addressed it. You kinda like blank kinda glossed over it. Yes. Instead of really you know, get to the root of, root of the problem. Yes. So, do you want to share your background and, and what kind of led you to this forgiveness journey? Because I know, but they well, don't know. Well, I, I can share. Um, <laughs> at the ages of 7, 11, and 14, I was a victim of molestation. Also, as a young child, witnessing domestic violence with my father, Abuse, physically abusing my mother. Mm. Now, um, the reason why I'm bringing this up because a lot of times, especially in domestic violence, children, they, a lot of times the children are forgotten about mm -hmm. when they have witnessed these things versus, you know, the person that actually uh, experienced the uh, physical abuse. And as a child, a lot of times things happen to us, and as a child, because we are a child, our mind can't even wrap around what has actually really happened to us. And I can remember at one point in time, I went through uh, suicide, suicidal ideation where, you know, I would, I would walk in front of traffic hoping nobody was paying attention to me, popping pills, and how I end up getting ready to go to a counselor. I don't know if I talked to a teacher or a student and they reported it. Yeah. And so I ended ended up going to counseling. 
but the counseling didn't help me because we never addressed, we never got to the root of the problem mm. of what actually happened to me. You know, they're asking me things like, you know, how are you doing in school? How are you doing? But none of the abuse or anything was ever actually addressed. And you know what's interesting? As a, as a therapist, um, as a clinician, um, if you're not comfortable in talking about trauma, you're going to do superficial work with kids. And I think that's where, um, you know, and this is just a message to all clinicians and, and therapists or counselors is that you can really do a disservice to someone by superficially glossing over. Now, if you don't have the credentials, you don't have the training. Now, don't go diving into trauma um, and asking right. the questions if you're going to really offset this child or, or this individual because... Yeah. That would be even more devastating, but you know, I'm sorry that the system failed you that way. And I and I I understand what you're saying because um, when I was going through my 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 traumas in my childhood, and I was going to guidance counseling, we never addressed that. And I and I think I was also part of it because I put the superficial I put superficial stuff out there because you you know culturally we're taught you don't air your dirty laundry. You don't air what's going on at home and you dare not say or badmouth your family or whatever. And so I think that was, um, part of not doing the work at a younger age is because how dare I share family secrets. So, you know, thank you for being courageous and vulnerable and wanting the help and wanting to be put out there, um, because it was affecting you. Yes. Yes. And, and again, as a child, you know, your, your mind hasn't even developed. So, some things you may process that okay this was wrong, but then you don't you don't even you don't even fathom the other scope of it and how it can affect you way down way down the road. Because when I was dating men and then men would come on to me too strong, I would get like this scared feeling mm. and I would be like you know would not go through you know having sex and different things of that nature. And I guess. And I hate to say it this way, but in a sense, it was kind of a blessing to me because I might have would have more babies out of wedlock <laughs> had I been comfortable in, in doing that. Mm -hmm. But one of my prayers uh, to God was, before I get married, I want to be able to address this because I don't want to inflict this or, or subject this to my husband who has nothing to do with what happened to me. Mm -hmm. And that was, and I wanted to be fully healed from that before I uh, go into marriage. And so that was a that was a prayer of mine. And so again, here it is again. The counselor, mentor, they can give you the instruction and they can give you the direction. But again, most of the work is going to be on you. Right. Now again, you're going to have to be willing to to do that work and to do that work and to hold. And. What I think, Pastor Pitts, that's beautiful is that despite the traumas that you went through, you still had your faith. You still knew that yes. you weren't lost and you weren't alone. And yes. even though something so traumatic and terrible happened to you um, and you experienced you, um, suicidal ideations and, and mm -hmm. um, these feelings, these sim the symptomatology of your trauma you still know that there was a higher being out there that didn't fully leave you alone. And I think that's beautiful because not a lot of people feel that. And so some, it's, to some people it's the extremes. And I think that's part of the work that you're doing as far as like with the forgiveness journal. And, and so is that 
though we've gone through something ugly, there's beauty behind it. Yes. And I think, and this is what I always tell people, because I turned to God and I turned to spirituality, no one can take your experiences away from you. Mm-hmm. So you could have people saying, oh, there's no God. Well, I can't say that because my experience, I, you can't take my experience away from me, you know. And um, I've experienced healing at a young age. At that time, I didn't know what I had, but I believed I had alopecia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it was triggered. And I don't know if it can be triggered, but at that, at that point in time, I was going through a stressful situation. I was 14 years old. I went down south with this evangelist, and then they were supposed to put me through college and everything. They wanted to, they, they, they like, asked my mom, look, can we take her? We want to put her through school. We'll pay for everything. And I get down there, and basically, after a while, I think the, the woman was inferior of different relationships that I was building. So it would be like, one breath, she would speak highly of someone, and then when I would start getting close to this individual, she would start bad mouthing mm-hmm. Now, mind you, I'm 14 years old, and I remember she said something about she had this dream that I pulled her husband up to me. I'm a child. I'm not even thinking along the lines. I was still playing with doll babies at the age of 14. Right, like, ma'am, ma'am, settle down your insecurity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, um, the back, now you see I got a head, head full of hair now, mm-hmm. but the back of my head, it was a spot, I had no hair, it was like smooth as a baby's bottom. Mm. And when I was, when I was home, before I went down south, I used to have, my mom used to have to wash my hair with dance or shampoo, my, I mean my, it was really, really bad. So for AIDS, I was going to school smelling like a medicine cabinet, <laughs> you know. You know, and I would have to literally wash my hair once a week, mm-hmm. every week. So when I came back, my grandfather, who had passed on, he prayed for me. And when he prayed for me, number one, I ain't even had no more dandruff, nothing, none of that to contend with, and my hair grew back. And ever since then, I haven't used dandruff shampoo since I was a little girl. Look at that. I don't have to use the sulfur eight. And I experienced that healing as a young child, and I knew God healed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, with all that being said, I've had an encounter with him, and nobody can take that experience away from me. Absolutely. And, and, and so that's why, you know, uh, God is the ultimate authority, you know, in the spirituality, because it brings about peace as well. You know, when people come to my home, Oh, it's so peaceful here, yeah, because of the life that I live. You know, I'm, I, and I'm, 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 I'm a very private person, but I don't want to invite negativity. No, absolutely you know, negativity not. Negativity in my space, Mm-mm. and to me, with all the hustle and bustle out there in the world, your home should be your safe haven. Yes, your, your home sanctuary. Your, your retreat, mm-hmm. you know. And if you got chaos in the world and then chaos... At yeah, home, oh, yes. You in trouble. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Pastor Pitts, can you tell the listeners where they can find this journal of yours that I have in my possession? <laughs> <laughs> 
And I had to put down, but, you know, I'm picking it back up. Can you let the listeners know where they can find the journal, where they can find you? Yes. Well, um, they can actually pick up the journal right on my website, aliciapitts.com. That's A-L-E-E-C-H-E-A. T-I-T-T is in Tom, S is in Sam. When you go to my website, there is a free takeaway, and it is an e-book on learning how to apologize. Ooh. That pride again. Ooh. You just plug in your email, and it is, it is sent to you. Um, it's also available on Amazon. It is also available on Kindle as well. Well, there you go. So, Pastor Pitts, before we end, give us some words of wisdom, Pastor Pitts. Come on, because we need healing in this world. <laughs> There's two things I'll say, and it's, it's a quote in, in the journal. One is, forgive to live. Mm. Simply put, forgive to live. Wow. And the other quote is, there's another, another way to live. Keep going back to love. Keep going Keep back, to, going love. back to love. So that's two things you said, forgive and love. Be yeah. forgiving and be loving. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Pastor Pitts. Pastor Pitts, I am so grateful that you spent oh, your morning <laughs> with me and the listeners um, and that they were able to get some really good knowledge nuggets and some work yeah. that has to be done. Um, forgive and love, guys. Forgive and love. Thank you yes. so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank Thanks you. For me. Thank you, Beauty Me. Till next time. Thanks for listening to the Beauty Me podcast. Please be sure to download new episodes every week and send us your girl, what were you thinking or asking for friend stories to info at imbeautiousme.com. All entries remain anonymous. Also, don't, 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 don't forget to rate, review, and hit the subscribe button now.